All right. What a blessing. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. It is a joy and a privilege to be back here with you uh, at Peace Haven to be able to share with you in these meetings that God has allowed us to be a part of. I know the music was a blessing to you, and I know and uh, am certain that God is going to deal with your heart and speak to your spirit tonight, continuing, I hope so, and then in tomorrow night and Wednesday. It'll be over before you know it, so get all you can while you're passing by, and God will bless you for that, I'm sure. Uh, I want to I wanna intro what I'm going to preach. I got this sermon around Charlotte. It was about quarter to seven. You can get all kinds of vision on I-77 in Charlotte at quarter to seven. I didn't cuss, but God knows if somebody would have said it, or I'd have wrote it down if somebody would have hollered. I'm telling you, I've never in my life seen the beat this day. I got up this morning and had to spend most of it at the hospital with the family, and then I uh, had a had a, a situation and a set of circumstances uh, come up about one o'clock that I couldn't get loose from till about three thirty. I got all my stuff together and put it in the car, and I said, "Lord, if you don't help me, this whole thing's going to fall apart." Now, you call me to this mess. You have been the... If there's anybody to blame, Lord, it's not me. I didn't sign up. I got stuck in. And, and I, I, I started this way. I got, about, I got about 45 miles outside of Augusta, and I heard the ungodless racket you ever heard. And it was a... I didn't even know there was a recap on this van I'm driving. I don't even know whose van I got tonight. I just got in one at the church and came this away. Somebody's walking right now as we speak. And you're laughing at me. You're not a Christian. I mean a recap, come on. Bam, bam, just knocking paint and hide and metal. And I mean all the way down to the belt. I'm just riding on what the top of my head looks like. That's thin, ain't it, boy? And I, I, I said, I said, Lord, just a little. Did you misunderstand what I said when we started out this morning? I said, now I got to find a tie. Where are you going to find a tie at Batesburg, South Carolina? Lord, I mean, about all they left to do was to steal one off a pulpwood truck. Or so. so I I got off the exit there with the flashers on and and I'm I, it's about uh, four fifteen now I'm saying Lord you're gonna have to do something and I said I, I I preach that you will and I tell the church that you will will you <laughs> I, I, am I doing it for a check am I just hunting something to say here Lord. I got off and I asked this guy, this little old business there, I said, I need a tire and I know you ain't got one, but do you know, he said about two miles up the road, there's a tire store. I said, well, hallelujah, business is picking up. I appreciate that little help there. I got off went down there and I, I asked the fellow if he could, yeah, we can get you. I said, how long will it be? I said, I've got to be in Charlotte just a little while preaching. Well, I could tell that didn't hit him well. He didn't care much for preaching. I should have said I was opening up a liquor store. I probably could have got it a lot quicker. So he said it won't be long, about 49, 50 minutes later. This, this snail of a teenager, I mean, he had rigor mortis. He was moving like he had arthritis or something. I, I, I started to offer him a little money to speed it up, but... I could tell he didn't even want no money. He is too slow. It took him 30 minutes to get it. Finally, they got the thing on there, and I took off out of there and got, finally got back on I-20, and the worst 
I mean up the other side of Charlotte at Rock Hill. You been to Rock Hill? Well, it the worst thunderstorm I've ever been in in my life. I'm talking about lightning was hitting people and killing folks on the side of the road. I'm talking about bad. I'm, I, people were pulling off the road. It was so hard beating on it. You couldn't even see. I, I, I just said, once more, you have been a blessing to me. Boy, do you ever feel like that. I mean, I'm not going to a discotheque to party tonight. I'm going to church, Lord. Just a little help. I don't ask for special attention. Just a little grace. It started raining harder. God is my life. Y'all laughing at me, and that's not nice. And here we went. I, I kept coming and kept coming. Finally, run out of it, and I looked down, and there was a, a light flashing on the dashboard that says, Ain't no gas, stupid. <laughs> you know, when they got to have buzzers and a woman and everything else to come on and say, Hey, fool! <laughs> I mean, Richard Petty ain't stopped and got no petrol quick as I did. I don't even remember if I paid for it, but I will on the way back. It was off. I pulled in out here, and I didn't even know 421 was four lane. It was two lane when I left. And I thought I was lost. I still ain't seen no barbecue place right across from Revis Road. There might have been a pig out there ready to eat, but there wasn't nobody selling no barbecue. Whoever gave me them directions, I won't send you after. Turn left right across from the barbecue. Ain't no barbecue out there. A line bunch. So I just done what I could and saw the steeple from over in yonder, and I just followed it. At every turn in the road, the Lord kept reminding me of this. I've got everything under control. Now, that's the easiest thing you'll ever say and the hardest thing you'll ever believe. I'm a preacher. I have ordination papers. And he lets a storm. It wasn't storming nowhere but on my veins. Not to start out. I mean, all over it. It was just problems and difficulties. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce to you, I don't care what happens. I don't care what comes. I don't care what goes. Jesus has got it all under control. Amen. He knows what he's doing. When I don't, he does. When I can't, he can. When I have problems, he straightens them out. I'd like to announce tonight he's got it all under control. Can I, can I prove it to you from the Scripture? Uh, just take your Bible, and I'm going to paraphrase it, and I'm not going to keep you long. I appreciate you waiting on me, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't impose for a thing in the world. And I, 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 but I want you to look at John chapter 19. The setting in John chapter 19 is Calvary. The Bible says that they took him to a place called Golgotha, and they crucified him there, with a thief or a transgressor on one side, a malefactor on one side, and one on the other. Now, the Bible says they broke the legs of one on one side, they broke the legs of one on the other. But when they came to Jesus, he was dead already. Now, Pilate thought that was very strange, seeing he had only been up there six hours. But he thought it strange that he died so soon. Now, the reason they didn't get to break Jesus' legs, when they came to him, the Bible says he was dead already, and the reason they didn't get to break his legs was because Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 12 and 10 that not one bone in his body would be broken. It says in John 19 uh, and uh, those verses over around 30, four, five, and six. It 
says that they could not break his legs. They broke one on the right, broke one on the left, and then when they came to Jesus, he was dead already. Uh, these men were crucified by Roman fashion, not Persian. Persians came up with crucifixion. They would hang a man in the forks of a tree and call it crucifixion because he'd die of suffocation. But the Romans, being the pagans they were, they wouldn't let that lay. They wouldn't do it that simple. They, they put a little piece on the cross called a sedile, S-E-D-I-L-E, and off of that little platform they could push up after they had seven inch long metal steel pegs pushed through their wrists, not their hands now, but into their wrists, and the people who inserted them, Josephus said, these people were so precision when they drove those nails or those spikes into their hands that they could, they could drive them right next to a nerve without puncturing the nerve just so it would hurt when they pushed up to get that breath. They said that the most excruciating pain that a man has ever felt from head to foot is the pain that shoots from the wrist of a crucified person on a tall, T-A-U, a tall cross. He lifts up to get that air, but he can't stay long because the agony of these nerves shooting down his arms to his feet makes him drop back down and the process goes on. One man in Jewish history lived two days on the cross and was taken down and lived because they found out he was innocent. They have record of that in the Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, archives of history. When they came to Jesus, he was dead already. And the reason that I know he was dead is God proved it. He didn't just say it, but he proved it. The, the, the soldier took a sword and thrust it into the side of Jesus. Now, why in the world didn't they leave dead enough alone? If they had killed him and they knew he was dead, why did they have to take the last shot at him? Why did they hate him so bad that they couldn't just leave dead enough alone? No, they thrust that sword in, and the Bible says this exactly, and forthwith there came out blood and water. You could not get blood to mingle with, your, with the fluid, the water in your body, or the water in your body to mingle with the blood uh, in any way, form, or fashion, except death occurred. Now, God wanted us to know that Jesus was dead already. A blown head gasket on a 350 Chevrolet motor. Water mixes with the oil, but it can't mix with the oil unless there's a blown head gasket. If you pull that dipstick out and there's water on it, you got problems. It does not happen ordinarily. It happens through a problem. And that head gasket blows and water mingles with, with the, the oil. And it's not going to be long until you've got a crucified Chevrolet. Water mingled with blood means that there was a settlement in the lungs of the fluid, and the water had mixed, and he had been dead a little while, for when they thrust it in, it came out, proving he was dead already. Now, why did God want us to know he died before the two thieves? I will give you this thought and this prognosis and this homiletical thought, and we'll be done. God wanted us to know that Jesus was in control of his life and his death, even to the last moment he was in control. I was coming up the road, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, If I can decide when it's finished, I would say I'm in control. I said, Me too. He said, If... I 
can control when I'll die and where and how, then I probably can control how you live. When and where. He's got it. Oh, oh, in verse 10 of, of John 19, Pilate, Jesus hadn't said a word. Jesus is standing there. The Bible says as, as a sheep dumb before his shearers, he answered not a word. And then that toad frog of a human being, Pilate, looked at him and said the stupidest thing your Bible's ever had anything written. He said this, Do you not know, in your silence, do you not know that I have power to give you life and power to take it? Boy, that just, that bothered the Lord. He didn't say nothing till that fool opened his mouth and said that. Then he looked up and his eyes must have been fire engine red. And all of a sudden, he looked at him and he said, The only power that you've got, hot shot, my father gave you from above. He said, You don't have no more power than God gave you. Now shut up and sit down. That ain't in there, but I would have said that. And the Bible, next verse, verse 11, and he answered him, not again. Pilate didn't say no more. Because all of a sudden, God spoke to an imbecile. And the imbecile had nothing to say again. Is there anybody in here tonight who knows where you're going to die? Is there anybody in here that, con that controls your own destiny? You know where it's going to end. If you raise your hand, you're spooky. Not a person in here knows when the life that God gave you is going to end. I'm thoroughly convinced when Jesus said, it is finished. He could have said, heart, quit beating. Lungs, quit breathing. He said, no man taketh my life from me. He said, I lay it down free. Nobody snatched life out of the Lord Jesus. He, oh, this is a good thought. I ain't never had. <laughs> yeah. He breathed life into me 35 years ago, September coming. He Spoke life into my life. I was a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner on my way to a Christless eternity and Jesus passed by where I was and breathed life into my life. The songwriter said, I've just started to live in. I can say I was existing before Jesus, but now I can say I'm experiencing after Jesus. He breathed life into me, but he spoke life out of him. Have you ever wondered why, have you ever wondered why he said on the cross, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. That sounds to me like somebody who's got the button located. He said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he died. Now we're going somewhere. Don't go get a sandwich. He, he, he said, he, he, he also said, Lord, help me to find that, that little piece of information. He said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And bowed his head and died. There's another verse and another place where it says that he committed himself to God and died. Have you ever wondered why he had... He, oh, here it is. Thank you. He said this. Uh, he said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And, 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 and the Bible says, And he gave 
here it is. And he gave up the ghost. Gave up the ghost. Have you ever wondered why that was in there? It's not filling up space. <laughs> Have you ever wondered? I give my spirit to you. The grim reaper, death, hell, and the grave wrapped up in demonic material. Came to the thief on the left, and after his legs was broken and he drew his last breath, the grim reaper said, Gotcha! And he took him into hell. Stepped over on the other side, legs now with a bone axe. They broke the legs so they couldn't push up anymore because it was the Sabbath and that bunch of Pharisees didn't want anybody hanging on a cross on the Holy Sabbath. So they pleaded with Pilate. Pilate came and broke their legs. And when he's dying in his last breath, the one that had repented, the spirit of death got him, but he couldn't hold him. He had to present him. Death may take you out, but death can't take you in. Then, then he came to Jesus. And he looked at him, and he said, What am I going to do with him? Why did death, and does death, strike every human being? Why did death strike that thief? Because he was a sinner. The Bible says in Romans uh, 3 and 23, uh, for, uh, for the wages of sin is dying, death. That explains it. He never sinned. So death couldn't take nothing. Why? It's under control. Death said, I want him. I'd like to have him, but I can't get to him. The reason he couldn't was there was no corruption on him. First Corinthians 15, 54, 5 and 6. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? He said the strength of sin is the law. And there was no sin in Jesus so there could be no death in Jesus. If he hadn't gave up his life, he'd still be in here. Think about serving somebody who can just say, God, I'm in control. Now, I was in the median for ten minutes when I thought about that little deal coming up the road. I like to tore up everything in the grass. Not one person in this room tonight has control over your life like Jesus Christ has control over the potential of your life. I could not get over this thought. If he can control his own death, he can sure control my own life. I don't have to worry about it raining. He's got it under control. I ain't got to worry about a tire flapping on the side, knocking all the paint off my van. Because Brother Bruce is going to have it painted for me tomorrow. <laughs> or I'll make him change bulbs in this room with me tomorrow. I got a paint job. I hear it. I feel it. I know it. He, a teenager, he has your destiny, your future, your vision. Your life don't need to be aimless nor meaningless. You don't have to mess with a liberal thought or a liberal society. I don't care if they say you can't pray. Pray anyhow. I don't care if they say that what you are don't matter. It matters to God. It matters. The Democrats are not in control. The Republicans are not in control. God's just using them like a little... I'd go with the fair. They 
have all power. Why, they couldn't blow peach off, fuzz off a peach. That's how much power that God has the power to watch over my I, I don't care what goes on in your daily routine. He's still God. He's still God. I'm glad He's God over my disappointment. Everybody in here, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand with me. I want you to look at all the people who have had disappointment in their life. Almost everybody, look. You can put them down. Them two old boys walked. I'm done. I'll quit in a minute. Y'all got anywhere to go? I was, I, 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 two old boys over there at the house not far from me, they're homeless. They're looking for a job and they knocked on a well affluent, I mean a real affluent door. And this real affluent lady who owned the place opened the door and said, what do you want? I'm getting ready for a party. I don't have time for you. He said, ma'am, we're hungry and we'd like to do some work. She said, I don't have no work. Slam the door. Two old boys turned around to walk off, and one of them said, I just ain't going to be done that easy. He stepped back up to the door and beat on it until she came. She came, she said, I thought I... He said, I'm hungry, and I ain't moving until you give me something to do. She said, well, I ain't got time to stand here and argue. She said, there's a pile of wood in the backyard. You chop it, and I'll pay you, but I ain't got time to mess with you. She slammed the door. Well, in between the time that she'd done that, her entertainment canceled. She didn't have nobody to come and entertain her guests. Well, about that time, she was working, and she looked through a window, and one of them old homeless boys was doing a backflip. Boom, 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 boom. Right through the backyard. Did you get that? Boom, 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 boom. Right down through the backyard. She ran to the back door and she got the one that wasn't tumbling and said, can, can you get him to do that for my people tonight? I'll give him $200. He said, you hold right there. He said, Bubba, the woman wants to know if you'll cut off another toe for $200. <laughs> now let me... Let me tell you what that is to Bubba. That's disappointing. <laughs> Amazing what a man will do when that axe hit that big toe. That's disappointing to lose a toe. Wouldn't you agree? Let me ask you a question. What disappointed you today? Somebody did. If you lived in the same country I'm living in, on the same planet I'm living on, and I know you did, because you look like you've been there all day. <laughs> May I say something to you? I promise you this. Somebody disappointed me. I was going along real nice on 77 and, and forgot that women have license. <laughs> and a woman disappointed me right up to the grill. Oh, listen, he's got your disappointment planned out. It, you know, going to heaven is not all being saved ought to be about. It's getting there that's the blessing. I'm 56 years old, going down the back side of life. I've been saved 35 years, and I can tell you something. Heaven's going to be wonderful, but the trip has been good. You know why? I have a business partner, a manager in my life who manages my disappointment. Not only that, he manages our distresses. Not only our disappointments. How about that old boy at the pool of Bethesda? He didn't have nobody to put him in. Every time the angel came and troubled the water, he was too weak and, and crippled to get over there. Jesus passed by and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying here waiting on the angel. It ain't going to do me no good because somebody gets in before me. He said, let's just bypass the pool. Do you just have to get wet? No, sir. Well, just get up. His disappointment turned to blessing. And that's how Jesus operates. 
And then our distresses. How about those disciples in Matthew chapter 14? Jesus constrains them into a ship knowing a storm was on the ocean. He goes to a prayer meeting. Ain't that just like it? He goes to pray, sends us into the Rock Hill thunderstorm. But he never puts you where he don't know where you are and how to get to he comes walking on the sea. They're scared to death. They thought it was a ghost. He said, Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. It is I. And you know the story. Peter walked out there and his walking shoes got real wet. I mean, before he knew it, he had a sinking spell. Down he went. But God even picked up a faithless fisherman and took him back to his boat. May I say something to you? Your disappointments and your disturbances. These men were disturbed. I don't know why you do this to me. I mean, why do you constrain me if you don't get in? I'll put you. He knew there was a storm coming. He put them in it, left them, and sent them into. But he was in control. He just up and spoke when he got in the ship. Peace be still. Uh, enough already. Now, let me say something. Anybody who can speak to a storm, I needed him with me today. <laughs> Anybody who can just tell the clouds to disperse and the rains to stop and the sun to shine, I figure he can make a carpenter. I think he can probably pay for your house. <laughs> if you live in a house so great that God can't make the payment, move. <laughs> But I hadn't seen one in yet ten counts. Look. You're disturbed. He's in control. You say, my marriage is not going well. I'm disturbed. Well, you're a candidate for a good fortune. I passed in the same place 28 and a half years. And I'd like to announce to you tonight, I've seen some disappointed people fall in love with Jesus and things change. I've seen some disturbed situations and I thought this is not going to work and he stepped right in the middle of it and made me look like an absolute fool. Here's the last one. I'm just making these up as I go. <laughs> just out of my feelings. I'm just getting this one. I'm, I'm feeling it's therapeutic. I feel like I've been to a psychologist tonight. I'm taking out my frustration. What was the first one? Disappointment. How about disturbing? And you know something? God is also in charge of your destiny. The Apostle Paul, Acts 9. Remember that? Acts 9, 6. Paul's riding along on his little donkey. He's got his little papers in his pocket. He's got his little ministerial league with him. He's got his God-haters and his preacher-killers with him. And he's riding along, and all of a sudden, God reached out of heaven and slapped the devil out of him. <laughs> Bam! And it shook him so bad, the devil said, I don't want another one of them. And walked, and walked off. You say, how do you know he slapped the devil out of him? You don't find the devil in him no more. <laughs> And I don't think that the mule did it. The Bible says that he's on his haunches. I mean, laying on his backside. Look it up. He said, Lord, Lord. What would you have me to do? <laughs> and Jesus said, it's hard to kick against the pricks. Hey, I've got something for you to do. I want you to go down to Ananias' house. Somebody's going to be down there to help you. That's 9-6 Acts. 928 but 14 verses. And straightway he preached Jesus. Mr. Preacher, that means this. It means immediately and automatically he didn't even hesitate. He preached Jesus. What a difference 14 verses can make. I mean, slapping the devil out of him, verse 6, and preaching the fire out of him in verse 20. I would say his destiny was changed. 
give you this. We're going to eat somewhere. We got something down here? Good. It's a good thing. I don't take you walking stick away from you if you didn't see. Let you limp, huh? I, I, since I was here, I think, didn't, didn't I get this thing since I've been here? I hadn't, I hadn't. I ain't never been to the hospital. I don't even like to go visit. I holler. I get out in the parking lot and holler if people come to the window. Hey! God bless them in Jesus' name. I ain't no doctor. I can't help nobody in no hospital. I step on air hoses and people, they gas. Yeah, them, them things. And them big old nurses, boom, boom. Come on, whoo, want to hit on my, uh-uh. I just stand out in the parking lot with a cocoa and a hot dog. Hey, Baba! I never, I wasn't even born in one. I wasn't. I was born over in Bryson City in, in a little old holler down by Deep Creek. I just sort of happened. Woke up in a feather, a, a corn shuck feather, a cor- corn shuck mattress with a feather, feather pillow and midwives and housewives and divorce wives and everybody helped me. <laughs> All of them come got me. I, I was 55. A year ago, two weeks ago, I was, I went to work one Friday and got busy. Didn't know what I was going to do. Sitting in the chair and I didn't want to ask nobody to come check me out because ain't none of them ever, you know, had no fun. Secretary ain't good to me. Tell me what's wrong with you. So I just sat there and figured, you know, I'll, I'll get over it. I was drinking co- drink Coca-Cola. I think Coca-Cola, he'll kill you. Amen. If you can get you two scoops of briars in between each swallow, I guarantee you you'll be ready. And I sat there and I thought, I ain't getting no better. I'm... And the school nurse, they finally got the school nurse. She came over there and she took my pulse and it was 32 beats a minute. I didn't think that was very strange. I mean, I, I didn't know it was supposed to be any more than that. And, and she said, you need to go to the doctor now. I sold me in a pickup truck and we took off to the doctor and I got over there and they had a wheelchair waiting and they run me in this place. I told them, I said, I got to go to lunch with some boys now in about an hour. Let's get this done quick. I got, I got, I got to go. Got in there where the doctor was and he checked my pulse and it was 28. He said, you started out across the river at 32. You ain't come but eight minutes and you're down to 28. He said, 25, you're comatose. He said, we better do something now, don't you think? I said, well, I said, what are you thinking about doing? I, he, he said, I got to put a pacemaker in. I thought, you know, you just, oh, that was it. And you can go on eat, you know. That ain't what they do. I said, how long it take? He said, about two hours for the whole thing. He said, you ready? I said, well, I said, you better call my wife. And 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 so they, my boy was with me. Chris took me. He worked for me. He he called her, and they all got down to the hospital, and, and the doctor said, I guess you want to pray before you go in. I said, yes, sir, I reckon I do. And so my boy, Chris, came up to the bed, preacher, and he said, Lord, he's been a good daddy. <laughs> I said, he said, God, there's been many a time that I wondered how he's going to leave us. <laughs> And Chris, Chris prayed and asked God to be with us and, and help us. And the doctor come over. He said, is there anything else? And, uh, Chris said, Pop, tell him a few minutes what you think about what's fixing to happen, what you told me. And for about five or six minutes, I just preached the house. Enjoyed the fire. I told him, I said, sir, there ain't nothing you can say or do. It's going to make a difference in my life without God's divine attention. He is watching over this procedure with divine authority. And whatever is will be glory. Just before they put me in, in, that, in that bed, they put one of them gowns on me What ain't got no backing. I mean, if you go make a preacher wear, a fundamental preacher wear a dress, you ought to have a back in it. Can I get a witness? I, 
I had a hold of it the whole blessed time because all them nurses has been to our church. And I don't want them going back. A woman can't keep her mouth shut. Y'all need to holler right there. I kept, I kept my dress tied in the back. And I, I got up in that bed and we had our little meeting. And they rolled me down the, down the hallway. And I'm reading them little signs. I'm about half drunk now. They done shot that stuff, you know. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm reading them signs that says maintenance department. Yeah. It said maintenance department. You don't know nothing about all this, do you, please? Maintenance department. I went on down there. It said, it said uh, X-ray. I went on down there, and it said, I see you. And, I said, I know where they got that. They seen my dress. You tell me that ain't the gospel. I said, I know where you got that. She stopped and said, where? I said, them dresses pay $10,000 for operation. And they ain't got no back in your clothes. I roll in this room. You could have hung meat in it. Lord, it was cold. As a mother-in-law's kiss, it was cold. It was bad, bad, bad cold. And and I I got the covers pulled up because I'm afraid of them nurses. And I got my covers pulled up and my dress gathered. And, and they they started pulling the cover off. Well, I you know I, I'm under the influence, bad. I'm riding DUI. No, I'm R-D-I, riding under them, U-I-E-S, anyhow. And, and they take me out of that bed, kicking in a scratcher, and put me on a stainless steel table. <laughs> and anybody that laughs, God will kill them. Put me on that stainless steel table. I ain't never in my... I mean, I was under the influence that was cold. And they pulled the sheet up over me. And... They left it on my, right here. I can feel this when I'm telling you. They left it right here for a minute. And then a, a dear black woman about that high and about that wide. <laughs> Bless her heart. She come in there and she reached up and she took that sheet and she pulled it on up over my head. Now, I don't watch enough television to know what happens when they pull it up over your head. They pulled it all the way up. Well, I was about gone now. I'm inebriated. I'm about done. I got my dress up. I never let my dress go. And, and, and I'm about done. And, and I holler, Hey! Hey! I thought, they thought I wasn't conscious of them. And that little old woman, I'll never forget, she pulled that sheet off and she said, Reverend, shut up! figured out better because I'll tell him what she would have done to me. Next thing I know, I'm out. They got me back in a room and Diane's got some Bojangles chicken and some pinto beef. And I looked over at Chris. I said, I'm going to slap the snot out of you when I get you. <laughs> the whole time I was in there, not once was I ever afraid I've often wondered, what's it like to go into the dark, not knowing when the light will come on, how you'll feel? Well, the light never goes off. The light walks in with you. And I'd like to tell you, he don't walk out till they bring you with him. He'll change his death. He's in control. I don't know how long I got left, but all my days are numb. I don't. All right. But my tomorrow is under control.
I don't know what's going to happen down the road. I can't even turn around and look back and tell you why it happened down there. So I sure can't tell you what I don't know. But I can do this. I can trust tomorrow with the God of yesterday and today and know He's never done me wrong. And He never will. Give Him praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Just let the Lord know how glad you are tonight that He's got everything under control. Y'all got a song? Y'all got a song? Yeah, just, just, just sing a song for us. Listen, here's, don't sit down. Here's the invitation. Preacher, I got an impossibility lurking just over the hill. But you need to come down here. Don't mess with the situation. Don't worry about it. You need to come down here and get somebody who's standing on the other side of it and has already sized it up and kept you in mind. And the one who's under control can give you the strength to be controlled in your situation. My family, preachers, about to shot. My boy has gone crazy. My girls about to leave home or already have. And I don't know how in God's world we're going to make it till August. Let me tell you something. There's somebody who has it all under control. How many of you just join me down here and let's find us a place in this altar and say, God is a God of control. I don't know why your preacher fell out of that bucket. I don't know why that situation happened right here. I know when I heard about it, I went to the one who I trust everything else. But did you know God did not flinch one time when that preacher fell to the floor? God did not one time scratch his head over what happened. For he is a God of complete authority and complete control. And he'll help you. Come on, Greg, you sing for us. Come on, in Jesus' name, we're going to pray for you. Come on. Oh, yeah. I can pay tomorrow. Trust me now. Not because everything is okay, but because he lives. He knows what he's doing. You bring your burden to him tonight. You bring your problem to him tonight. He'll help you. God, you touch these people tonight, Father. God, you touch these good men tonight, Lord. God, I pray the Holy Spirit will move on us, And may the power of God and the power of God's anointing be on our life, oh God. We love you tonight and thank you that you're a God that takes care of circumstances. God, I'm glad you know what to do next. We don't. I'm glad you've got families under control. You've got young ladies and mamas and daddies and family members under control. I'm glad to know you know all about it. We love you and bless you tonight. God, how we love you. And thank you that you're a God. Not a God of mystery. Not a God of doubt. Not a God of happenstance. Or a God of a question mark. Hallelujah. You're the God of knowing, the God of faith, the God of absolute. Now bless you, Lord, for me. Thank God for these men. Bless these families, Lord. Touch them, Holy Ghost. Touch this little fellow's blessing. Touch Mama's God. Touch us all, Father. We'll give you glory. Oh, Holy Ghost, we love you. And we thank you for helping us. 
through the tight places, through the crooked places. Hallelujah. Oh, God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way tonight, Lord. Oh, blessed night. Yes, 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 yes. Somebody wants somebody to pray with you personal about something. I'll be glad to do it if you'll come on. Anybody, anywhere. You slip out and come. Be glad to help. Glad to help you get to him. Glad to help you trust him. Glad to help you get past whatever it is that's trying to upset your life. Thank God I'm glad to know he's alive. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hadn't he done it over and over again, proven to you that you can trust him? Yes. Over and over again. Hallelujah. I'm really glad you came to church tonight. Hadn't it been worth the trip? My, my. Hallelujah. Tomorrow night, the Trammell Trio will be back, and Brother Brown will be preaching again, and I hope that you'll be here. And uh, we don't get to speak to all of you personally before you get out the door tonight. Thank you for coming out on this Monday night of Camp Meeting 2003. We're going to hook up again tomorrow night. We hope you'll be with us. Father, thank you for your love and for your goodness, for the reminder tonight that you are in control. Thank you, God, that whatever we face, more than you remind us that we can trust you. Thank you for Brother Brown bringing him safely oh, here tonight. Love you, God. And Lord, love for you, Lord. every person that's in this place. Yes, we do. Lord, we needed exactly what we got tonight. So I thank you for what you're going to do in the rest of this meeting. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. You're free to go. Thank you for being here tonight.